0: Welcome to the Wellness Journey Podcast from the St. John Bionni Center. I'm Dr. Mariette Danilo, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to journey with you through these challenging times and to hopefully provide you with information that will help sustain you. Our podcasts are aimed at keeping you healthy in mind, body, and spirit. This is Podcast 25. The title of today's podcast is Transforming Our Losses. And today's speaker is going to be Sister Mercedes McCann. And I'd like to tell you something about her before we begin. Sister Mercedes McCann currently serves in the position of leadership relations as a liaison to religious communities, particularly women's communities for the St. John Vianney Center. In this position, Sister is available for consultation, education, and facilitation to leadership of women's communities. Furthermore, Sister is a psychotherapist in the outpatient department of the St. Giambiani Center. In addition, she provides therapy services for the St. Giambiani Center residential program and has for 15 years providing multi-dimensional psychotherapy for women and men, religious and priests. Sister Mercedes served as a formation minister for the Sisters of Mercy, as assistant superintendent for special education for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, as well as numerous positions within the field of special education. She also previously ministered in state and county institutions for the mentally ill. She has extensive experience facilitating small and large groups for religious communities, including chapters and assemblies, as well as speaking to groups of religious in the United States, Latin America, Europe, and the Pacific Rim on various topics concerning religious life, such as boundaries, change and transition, emotional development, and the spirituality of aging. Her particular interest is the intersection of spirituality, ministry, community, and good mental health in the religious. Sister Mercedes is a member of the Sisters of Mercy of the Americas. She holds a doctoral degree in clinical psychologist from Seton Hall University and a master's degree in psychology from Marywood University. She also completed religious studies with a concentration in sacred scripture from the St. Charles Borromeo Seminary. So a little bit about her talk today, transforming our losses. At the beginning of Eastertide, in the final chapter of Luke's gospel, we heard, why do you seek the living among the dead? And in Matthew's account, Go to Galilee, and there you will see me. What wonderful words for us to contemplate as we move from our losses during this pandemic into new life. This presentation will look at how the Eastertide readings can help us both spiritually and emotionally move from loss to new life. And so here is Sister Mercedes McCann. Hello. The topic of my
1: presentation today is transforming our losses and it is being recorded during the Easter season. It seems to me that Easter time is the perfect time to talk about transforming our losses. The gospel stories through the Triduum and Easter, right up to Ascension, are replete with losses. The disciples' loss of Jesus, his friends' loss of him, his mother's loss, and even though we seldom consider it, Jesus' loss himself. I speak here not only of his life, but also the loss of the people with whom he walked this earth to say nothing of the unspeakable loss through betrayal, denial, and abandonment. Because the Easter readings address loss, I am going to marry the spiritual and psychological as I address the transformation of loss by weaving the Easter readings into my presentation. In the Global Sisters Report of April 21st, 2017, Sister Colleen Gibson, a sister of St. Joseph of Philadelphia, reflected on seeking the living and the words of the angels, why do you seek the living among the dead? I am going to quote Sister Colleen liberally here. She wrote, in every other recorded angelic visitation, the angel begins his greeting with fear not. The angels do not pass that reassurance of fear not on to the women at the tomb. These women are terrified. And as they go forth with a story that will be called nonsense by others, the search set before them is only so clear. In that moment, faith and fear are married in the resurrection. Sister goes on to say, Belief is not safe. It pushes you to search for truth, forever seeking the living beyond the dead. She continues, freedom leads to new life. The end of her quote. We cannot be free until we have let go and begun to transform our losses. Like the women at the tomb, We have to let go of how things were and begin to see the world in a new way, to be aware of the spirit moving within in an unexpected manner. The women do not stay at the tomb, staring into a black, empty hole of loss. They go back to spread the news and probably go on to Galilee with the others. We never hear of anyone returning to the tomb to bemoan the loss. In fact, for hundreds of years, the tomb was not identifiable. And even today, it is suspect that where pilgrims come to pray is the actual tomb. Like the women, we have to let go of what was as wonderful as it was. We have to examine the tombs that we stand before or that have a grip on us, our losses. Let them go and hurry on to our Galilee's. Writing in the Church of Mercy, Pope Francis says, our daily problems, worries and losses can wrap us up in ourselves in sadness and bitterness, not the place to look for the one who is living. Sister Colleen wrote, Christ, after all, wasn't resurrected into a perfect world. He returned to the same people who had crucified him days before. The world hadn't changed. The life he lived in it did. And that, mixed with the promise of faith fulfilled, made all the difference. At the top of the page where Sister Colleen's reflection was written in the NCR, is a picture of the women at the tomb. It is an ivory bas relief of German origin, circa 1150 to 1170, that hangs in the Schnuttgut Museum in Cologne, Germany. In the Eastern church, these women are called the holy mer-bearers, and they are always celebrated in the Eastern Church on the second Sunday after Easter with prayer and liturgy in their honor. There have been multiple icons written of them. For some reason, the Roman churches never caught on to celebrating these women. I don't know if Sister Colleen selected this picture herself or if the NCR did, but it touched me deeply, so much so that I tracked it down in the form of a candle holder, which I resurrect each year at this time and pray with. It reminds me that I, we, are all called to be holy mer More on that in a minute. In his Easter Vigil homily of the 20th of April, 2019, Pope Francis wrote, why do you seek the living among the dead? Easter is the feast of tombstones taken away, rocks rolled aside. What is the stone loss I need to remove? What is its name? Stone upon stone, we build within ourselves a monument to our own losses, a sepulcher for hope life becomes a succession of dwelling on these losses and we grow sick in spirit. He calls it a kind of tomb psychology, which overtakes us. Everything ends with the losses and there is no hope of emerging alive. But at that moment, we hear once more the insistent question of Easter. Why do you seek the living among the dead? The Lord is not to be found in resignation. He is risen, he is not there. Don't seek him where you will never find him. He is not the God of the dead, of loss, but the God of the living." End of quote. For our purposes, I have taken some liberty with Francis' words, but the concept is the same. So how to become holy mourners and transform our losses so that we are not weighed down by them and we can help others? I believe we begin to transform our losses first with empathy. Empathy for each other and empathy for ourselves. The word empathy comes from the Greek empathia, meaning having the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing within their frame of reference. The capacity to place oneself in another's position within their frame of reference is important. Simply to understand or feel is sympathy. To get into another's frame of reference and stay there is empathy. In so doing, we begin to deepen our understanding of their loss and eventually of our own losses. A caveat here, we do not all grieve or experience loss in the same way. What may be a loss for one person, may not be for another. In addition, grief over losses does not hit everyone at the same time, even though the loss may have happened at the same time. Generally speaking, our losses are not our own. They spill over and they affect others. As Francis said, don't get wrapped up in your grief or loss even a communal grief or loss. You begin to transform that loss when you extend empathy to the other and invite them to share their loss with you and continue on the journey with you. Go to Galilee and there you will find me. In the midst of loss, we need to examine where are the Galilee's to which we should be going? Those Galilee's may surely be different today from what they were 15 months ago. At the same time, we need to have empathy for ourselves. It is all right to feel the loss, to feel the way that we do, but it is not all right to continue to stand before that empty tomb and not move on to Galilee. We need also to extend empathy to our community leadership, to our church and to our government. You do not have to agree to have empathy. If you place yourself in the other person's frame of reference, place yourself in his or her experience, you will be able to empathize with what led them to make the decisions they have made or do what they have done. So empathy is the first step for the transformation of loss. The next step is to talk about our losses. When you do, they become normalized and you find that others share the same losses. So as the song, Funky Town goes, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. But as the song goes further, gotta keep moving, not to Funky Town, but to Galilee. The disciples on the road to Emmaus were talking about their loss, their shared loss. Finding others to talk to about our losses is critical. We may do this individually, but we need also to do it communally. There are many losses our communities and dioceses have each suffered. The losses of this past year, our sisters and brothers, our way of life, not being able to worship together, minister together, share feelings together. We are our own biggest support systems. So the community or diocese as a group needs to express the feelings of loss. Sometimes we endure our losses, but we don't really mourn them. It takes time to really mourn. And the time constraints of COVID, our ministry, family, and our aging can mitigate this. Joyce Rupp says, our grief t- needs tending. Sometimes we avoid or resist this invitation to tend. John O'Donohue wrote, the more we resist it, the longer it stays. Our mourning, our losses leads to healing and then we move on after the mourning. The third step in transforming our losses is to ritualize the loss. Remember, the holy myrrh came to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. It was a common ritual at the time. It was not done at his death because he was buried quickly before the Sabbath. So they came back after the Sabbath to do it. I am reminded of the deaths of our brothers and sisters, family members, and friends over this past year. We have been unable to ritualize as we would have done before COVID, I hope there will be a way we can gather as communities or dioceses, and like the holy mer ritualize and commemorate these people whose loss we feel. In that way, we transform our own loss from death into new life. Our ministries, there are so many ministries that we have had to move away from or that have been taken from us. Some have continued beyond us, but some may have not. Many priests and sisters' lives were devoted to these ministries and they feel that loss as the community or the diocese does. How can we ritualize those losses? How can we ritualize places where we have lived and no longer have enough people to live in them and now have had to close or move away from them. We can gather together those who worked in a particular ministry or lived in a particular convent or rectory together for a ritual of some description, to remember the good that was done, the fun that was had, and of course, some of the horror stories. If you have not already done that, To gather and remember helps to transform the loss. And if for some reason you cannot gather, to ritualize these losses through memory and prayer in your own mind is important. Reconciliation helps to transform our losses. We live so closely together and have lived even more closely together these past 16 months that nerves may have become frayed and relationships in community or rectories may have withered. Going to the other and mending the relationship or holding communal rituals to mend relationships helps to mitigate the feelings of loss. We cannot journey to Galilee and live and serve there together if we bring resentments and anger with us. Of course, taking our feelings of loss to prayer is transformational. In scripture, there are so many stories of loss. How did our spiritual ancestors transform their losses? I think of Mary Magdalene in the garden, there to anoint and then running to tell the others. Moving on to Galilee, no mention of her going back. The 40 days between Easter and Ascension, a time to process the loss and come to terms with the impending loss of Jesus' physical presence. Clopas and his companion walking to Emmaus and being transformed by the Eucharist at dinner. Especially in this time of pandemic, we may have begun to appreciate insignificant pleasures that we once enjoyed, like meeting for lunch or sitting savoring a conversation and a cup of tea or coffee. Those things we have not been able to do over the past 16 months. I imagine in the 40 intervening days between the resurrection and the ascension, the disciples experienced a new appreciation for those fish dinners on the beach. Undoubtedly, there were many such dinners in the three years they traveled with Jesus that were taken for granted, no more. The dinners recorded between the resurrection and ascension bore recording with a new insight that they were temporary. So as we begin to come out of the tomb of pandemic, A way to transform the losses we experience during this time is to relish and savor the new Galilee's we journey toward and our companions on these journeys. Grieving over loss is not time-constrained. It can come up time and again, and each time we need to pay attention to it, pray with it, and re-transform it. If we do not acknowledge it, the buildup of our losses can lead to addiction, anger, depression, and resentment. Prayer is important, but it does not do it alone. The healing requires letting go of the losses. Joyce Rupp says, letting go opens the door of our psyche and ushers us toward the fresh air of a new beginning. Each surrender to the impact of loss, every yielding to what cannot be undone, prepares us for the final surrender of our physical death. We learn how to do this with each successive prized part of life we hand over when we grieve and transform the light, the loss, end of quote. Finally, a word about apprehension about our future, about the Galilees ahead of us. We are prophets of a future, not our own. This quote is variably attributed to Bishop Ken Untner, Cardinal Dearden and Oscar Romero. Whoever wrote it, it is so true. The future is not ours, but it will become as we live the present. All we have is what we have now. Relish the now, rejoice in the present. It's what we have. Be attentive, be wholly there in the moment. We are only as present as we are aware of ourselves and the moment we are in. And to maintain that awareness, is a full-time job. The future will take care of itself if we are attentive to the present. In speaking of loss and apprehension about her future, Sister Mary Ellen Dougherty, a school sister of Notre Dame, wrote in Human Development, whatever I am experiencing now, I need to experience it, be in it, be present to it, pay attention to it. Evasion is not an option. We feel loss in proportion to how much we have loved. Be in the loss and savor the love that makes the feeling of loss possible. This requires freedom. It requires an interior disposition that permits me to expect what is when it is clear I cannot change it to accept the loss in my life. Freedom does not preclude sadness or grief. It does preclude resistance or denial. End of sister's quote. We can be both sad and happy at the same time. We can be grateful for what has been retained and how fortunate we have been, while at the same time sad about whatever we have lost. To hold what appears to be competing feelings gently serves to lower the anxiety about the future. It is not only all right, but even healthy to begin to plan for the journey ahead with some exhilaration, while at the same time mourning what used to be. Both the disciples on the road to Emmaus and Mary Magdalene ran back to Jerusalem joyfully, even as they remembered Good Friday. So transforming our losses means seeking the living, seeking our Galilees. It means recognizing Galilee when you see it. Each loss we mourn helps to pave the path to the Galilee we are headed toward. There is no fixed answer to how we transform our losses. We each have to find our own way, but we need to share that way with one another as we journey together. In that sharing, the losses will be transformed. Shared memory itself is transformational. I believe we are each called to be a holy mourner to the other, to anoint, to offer solace, to listen, to be with, to love each other, to encourage one another, to let go of the losses and to cheer one another on as we seek our Galilee's. I'll leave you with this story I read in the New York Times some time ago. Since COVID in the Metropolitan section of the Times, they've run a series called Dear Diary. It is a series of vignettes submitted by anyone who wishes to share something that might have lightened the day for someone else. Often they bring a smile to my face. So here is the story I read. The writer wrote, it was a mundane Thursday that was melting into all the other look-alike work days. I went to the bodega to get my morning coffee as usual. What's going on? I asked the guy there. Nothing, he said, but what's yet to come is incredible. I feel certain that when we get there, we will find Galilee incredible. This podcast is being recorded on the Vigil of the Ascension, so I wish each of you a blessed Eastertide until Trinity Sunday, and I look forward to meeting you in Galilee.
0: You've been listening to the Wellness Journey podcast. I hope today's topic, Transforming Our Losses, proves useful to you. You can find all our podcasts and get additional information and resources for clergy and religious by visiting our website at sjvcenter.org. Click on Resources. We are the St. Giovanni Center, and our mission is you.